How's your prayer life? How honest are you in your prayers with God? In our series, Unshakable Faith in an Unsteady World, we're looking deeply into the topic of faith. And guess what is really, really critical to being a faithful follower of God? Your prayer life. Your prayer life. So this morning, for a few moments, for a few moments, we're going to look at the importance of honest prayer using the example of Hannah. I think she is a profound example of honest, authentic prayer and engagement with God. She's one of my Bible heroes. I just love this girl and how she engages with the Lord. I'm going to start by reading verses 1 through 11 of 1 Samuel chapter 1. This is the background story of Hannah. There was a certain man from um, Ramatham, a Zophite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah, another uh, Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because she loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting in his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. So, here we have the story of Hannah. And it's apparent that her situation's not good. First of all, she's part of a culture that practiced polygamy. That simply means that a man would have two or more wives. There's no endorsement for this practice anywhere in the Bible. It's part of the practice of the culture. There are no good examples of polygamy in the Bible either. Um, uh, instead, they're characterized by rivalry, uh, bitterness, and ongoing conflict. Listen, most men can't handle one wife, amen? <laughs> they can't handle two. They don't have the capacity. They really don't. And you know what God said? He's created one man for one woman. And that's his idea of commitment and marriage. And Hannah experiences pain in this situation of polygamy. And, and on top of that, she experiences something else that's very painful in her culture. She was infertile. She was barren. And that was viewed as being cursed of God um, back in that day. Um, and so she has this... This rival uh, provoking her. There's no camaraderie between her and uh, Peninnah. And then she has this, this issue of infertility. And in her pain, she goes to the Lord in prayer. Hear this, please. Pain is a frequent pathway to honest prayer. Pain is a frequent pathway to honest prayer. 
Pain is a way of stripping your life down, of laying you bare before the Lord. And Hannah, in her pain of discouragement, turns to God. Now, her pain was multifaceted. Hannah's pain was multifaceted. And often the pain that we experience in our life is of that kind of nature. It's not just one thing. It might be several things. First of all, Hannah's rival provoked her. Notice that that is the word used to describe Peninnah. She's a rival. There's not a feeling of community between her and Hannah. There's not camaraderie in this family. It, it, is, it is a situation of, of bitterness and of irritation. And we see that uh, Peninnah was a baby machine. She had lots of kids. And in that time and in that culture then, she would be honored and, and said that she was blessed of the Lord. But then we read something here in the story. We read that Elkanah loved whom? Hannah. And you can just see all this division and strife, and you can see why there was rivalry going on between these two gals. Elkanah favored Hannah, yet Peninnah was the blessed one with all the babies. And so what, what did Peninnah do? She irritated Hannah. She threw it back in Hannah's face. I have kids, you don't. And she provoked Hannah constantly. And Hannah goes through this disgrace of infertility year after year after year. Then you have Elkanah. Hannah's miserable. She's hurting. Sorrow filled her soul. And it's evident that Elkanah loves Hannah, but like most male, he tries to fix the problem. He's not Mr. Sensitivity. His fix to the problem was simply this. You got me, babe. <laughs> you ever hear that old song, Sonny and Cher, You Got Me, Babe? That's Elkanah. Every time I hear him in this story, I think, you are an idiot. <laughs> this isn't going to help your wife at all here. You know, he says, you're downhearted. I'm like 10 sons, man. Woo, look at this. You know, and it's just like, oh, you're just so dumb. So Hannah's husband lacked sensitivity. And the truth of the matter is, she, no, she really didn't have him. She shared him with another woman. And that was part of the source of her problem. So Elkanah gets no prize for support and sensitivity. Um, by the way, if you're trying to minister to somebody and they're down and out, don't say, well, you got me. That's probably not going to help them feel any better. Okay? So Hannah had no support system, but she had God, didn't she? She had God. And do you realize if you're in Jesus Christ, no matter what pain you're going through, no matter what you're facing in life, you have God. You have an ally. And in her pain of being provoked year after year by her rival and her pain of, of suffering at insensitivity uh, to her husband, we see her come to God and she has this God moment. And this is our big thought today, and it's this. And we see Hannah do this, and this is why she's my hero. She came to God in this honest prayer. So our big thought today is this. Come to God in honest prayer. Come to God in honest prayer. Hannah came to God in tears and brokenness. She came to God heart wide open, vulnerable. She came as she was rather than trying to be somebody else. And, 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 and she had this exchange that we need to begin to have with God of honesty. Listen to this. This is so important. If you get nothing else, please get what I'm about to say to you this morning. Honesty with God is not only permissible, it is preferable. Did you hear that? Honesty with God is not only permissible, it is 
transferable. God's not surprised by your situation. So speak to God what is on your heart. Speak to God what is on your heart. Hear this. Please hear this. God prefers honesty. It is not just permissible, it's preferable. He can deal with your sorrow. He can deal with your pain, your struggles. He can deal even with your anger. It's just a way of connecting with him that's so vital to understand. So Hannah comes to God, pouring out her life in this honest exchange. And she's been misunderstood by, you know, Elkanah, and she's been provoked by her rival, and now she gets misunderstood by her priest. Listen to what happens next as I read from uh, 1 Samuel 1, verses 12 through 16. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. So Hannah is on fire in her life of being misunderstood. That's not how you want to be on fire, amen? Her rival was provoking her. Her husband didn't get her. And now she comes and pours out her soul, and her priest doesn't get her. But, but understand this in Eli's defense. In that culture, in that time, people prayed out loud. In fact, if you were to read uh, Psalm 3, 4, it says, to the Lord I cry aloud, and he answers me from his holy hill. So in that culture context, praying out loud was kind of the norm. And so when she was praying without saying any words, he jumped to the erroneous conclusion that something's amiss with this girl. She's probably drunk. But then we see something happen here that I think is a result of having an honest ongoing relationship with God. And I just want to give you this. It's kind of an additional benefit of honesty with God. It's this. Honesty with God should spill over into honesty in your human interactions. So if you're honest with God, guess what happens? You become a person who can be honest with other people. And it seems to me that this is what's transpiring in Hannah's life. She had put up with her rival. She had put up with her husband. But now her priest, Eli, when he misunderstood her, and she's having this really honest exchange with God, she turned that honesty right to him and said, no, I'm not drunk. Don't think evil of me. I'm not doing these wicked things. I'm seeking the Lord. I'm pouring my heart out to my God. And so you kind of see here that when you become honest with God, maybe all of life comes into the right perspective. What do you think? It just is so important that we take this life lesson away from Hannah Honesty with God is so vital to prayer. And get this, her honesty is manifested in another way and that I think maybe we have trouble manifesting it in our own lives. Um, and this is point number two. Be fully present with God. Be fully present with God. Admit it when you're not. So Hannah's fully present with God. She is grappling with God. She is pouring out her soul to God. She is engaged with God. There, there is no holding back. Now let me ask you a question. How many times in a service like this, or when you're praying, or when somebody else is praying, you're anything but engaged? You're thinking about the meal, you're thinking about the Packers or the Vikings, you're thinking about, uh, you know, what you're going to do this week, you're thinking about a project at work, you're maybe thinking I'm bored, I wish I was someplace else, or how long will this go on, and I could go with a myriad of other random rabbit trails of thought. You know what you do? If you want to become an honest engager with God, you begin to admit that. You begin to admit, God, I'm wandering. I'm bored. 
I'm thinking about the football game right now. I'm tired. I'm distracted. You begin to admit that stuff. You know why? Because God knows it already. Amen? And you're the one that needs to come to this place of having honesty with God. And as you begin to say, God, I'm not fully present. I'm just kind of gone distracted. But I want to be fully present. Change me from being a distracted person. Take away my apathy and replace it with passion. Take away my tiredness and give me strength. You begin to have what I call real prayer. See, that may be the prayer that God really wants you to begin to have with him. It's to become honest enough before him where you begin to say, I am not fully present. And when I look at Hannah, I'm thinking, I want to be fully present like Hannah was fully present, God. And I have to admit, sometimes I'm praying and pretty soon I'm taking a little nap. How about you? Especially at home. Or I'm praying, or I see a bird fly by, or squirrel, right, squirrel, or whatever. You know, you're just distracted all the time, right? So let me finish up the story of Hannah here with you. Here's the rest of the story in 1 Samuel 1, 17 through 20. Eli answered, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose and worshiped before the Lord, and they went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. This is a wonderful story. But it's not so wonderful because she had her prayer answered. It's wonderful in addition to this because she had this countenance change before her prayer was answered. She was no longer downcast. After she went to the Lord, she had this honest exchange. Her faith was built up, amen? And she came out of that moment with God and that exchange with Eli, and her countenance changed. I want us to be full of a church of countenance-changed people. Amen? Where we are so interactive with our God in such an honest, authentic way that we have in this surety of our faith in Him that our countenance reflect it. You know the standard Midwestern uh, answer to the question, how are you doing? You know what that, that standard answer is? Good. Oftentimes I'll say to somebody, how are you doing? Good. And I find out later they got cancer. Or they, got, they lost their job. I'm thinking, you're good with that? Listen, God wants us to come to him and find the one place we can totally be ourselves. Right? And we can pour out our hearts to him and understand that he hears us and, and ministers to us. So here's our conclusion today. Honest prayer promotes faith. Honest prayer promotes faith. Hannah believed the Lord heard and cared, and the peace of the Lord flooded her soul. So here's the challenge I want to leave you with today. Let peace from knowing that the Lord hears and cares flood your soul in spite of your circumstances you're looking at. Let the peace of God, knowing that he cares for you, flood your soul. Begin to be that person that has that honest exchange with God, and then let his peace just flood your soul. We're going to have right now about a 30-second reflection time. And I think God wants you to bring something to him today. Maybe there's been an area of your life where you haven't been honest with God. Maybe you're facing something right now and you're saying, I'm afraid of this. Or maybe you're one today that's saying, I'm distracted. I'm distracted. I'm so busy in my life. I can never settle down and just listen to what God wants to speak to me. Or, or, you know, it could be a myriad of, of things going on in you. So I'm going to give you like 30 seconds to have just a moment of open, honest, transparent interaction with God. 
And then we're going to have collective prayer and close out with a song. So you go ahead and take the 30 seconds, just bow your head and, and, and seek God this morning. God, this morning as we uh, take a few moments to reflect, I want to pray for any here who are distressed. Maybe they're feeling like they're disconnected from you. Maybe they don't even have a relationship with you yet. Sometimes we come, become so consumed with our problems, all we see is the problem. And we forget about the problem solver. I want to pray this morning for any who are feeling maybe distracted or apathetic, distant from you, maybe not fully present, that you would begin to do a work in us, that we would admit those uh, states of our heart and of our mind, that we become a people who are totally uh, honest with you. I, I can't think of any better body of believers to be than to be a, a body of believers who are honestly seeking their God coming to him in their frailty, shortcomings, imperfections, and having this vulnerability before you, Lord, and just waiting on you and being confident in you that you'll do a work in us that we can't do in ourselves, that he'll begin a work in us, we'll bring it to maturity. We want to be a church that's open and transparent and honest so that when others come into our midst, Lord, they're not seeing a bunch of perfect people. What they're seeing is a bunch of people who are connected to Christ and finding their peace in Christ. That's the best gift we could give to the wayward, hurting person, Lord. God, may you just reign supreme in this place. May we, like Hannah, go to you in our pain of whatever it may be, of discouragement, of being misunderstood, of being dissatisfied, whatever words fit into the equation, Lord, may we just go to you and trust that you're a God who cares. And may our countenance then be built on that, that surety of a God who cares for us. Bless the people of Grace Point. Fill them with your Holy Spirit, Lord. We're excited about the days that lie ahead. They're big days, Lord. Build your kingdom here, we pray. Do things here that are way beyond our human capability. Lord, as we do this building, may it be a constant reminder that we're building the kingdom of God in this area, that we're about that, Lord, and we're committed to that cause. We're invested in that cause. So bless the people of Grace Point. Would you, Jesus, Holy Spirit, come. You're so welcomed here. Come into our hearts. Do works in us from the inside out. Change us into the people of God. It's not just for show. I want it to be real and authentic, Lord, in all of us. We love you, Jesus. We worship you. We glorify you. 
We honor your great name. We praise you. There's no God like you. There's no God besides you. You're the resurrected one, the holy one, the perfect one. You're our friend. You're our sympathetic high priest. We worship you this day. We glorify your name. In your name we pray these things, Jesus, and by your blood we claim them. And all God's people said,